happen? Oh, goodness me. Oh, you can and do what it. If, what if I don't do it that long? I'll just ask it a couple of... I'll prompt a couple of questions to you. Oh, OK, yes. And we'll just uh, work it on from there. OK, thank you. No pressure, so... No. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when you're ready, Heather, off you go. OK, right. Hello, everybody. I'm Heather. I'm a sober alcoholic. <clears throat> I was one of those people that never, ever wanted to be an alcoholic. I had um, had a father that had a very drink, heavy drinking problem. I, I do say now that he was an alcoholic, but we didn't call him that in those years. So, yeah, as, as I want, we had some horrible times at home with him. Particularly at night times, he used to downgrade us and um, repeat things over and over and over again, which which was all untrue. And uh, I just, when I was a teenager, I just wanted to have a home where it was a happy home, where alcohol wasn't a big problem. When I first came to AA, I used to uh, make comment that. I'm an alcoholic because my father was an alcoholic, but then I learnt differently after that. <clears throat> my my alcohol problem wasn't a problem till later years. Um, I married. I married, um, yeah, a lovely man. Um, we were married when I was 22, had three children, and um, we brought them up. We had wine for meals at night time and I'm a German descent so that was all part of our lifestyle and it never was a problem um, <clears throat> I loved my kids dearly and um, yeah things went well um, they grew up well getting back to some other problems I had the year that our third child was born um, I lost my father the morning after um, actually, that year was pretty horrid because my mother died four months beforehand. So within a few months, I lost both my parents and had this beautiful baby. And that was definitely a decision that I wanted to show her heaps of love besides the other two, even though they still say that she got more. <clears throat> and um, we, yeah, life coasted on very well. My husband changed jobs and he became a baker, therefore he was a shift worker and um, our life revolved around his working life, such as um, he used to always go to bed early at night times to get a few hours sleep before going off to work anything from midnight onwards and um, became very lonely because once the children were teenagers, I felt like a grass widow and... Um, you know, every night was by myself. At that time, I um, was um, doing mending and alterations as a bit of a sideline, and I used to do that mainly at night time, just to wait the hours away before him going to work. And <clears throat> as I said, we used to have some, a drink of wine for tea at night time, and it suddenly came to me that. Maybe if I had a glass of wine while I was doing my sewing and all that, it'd be a relaxation. And um, besides, I did enjoy the taste of it. 
and then over course to the course of the years, um, never was one. It was probably two, maybe more. But I knew then that what I was doing, that nobody knew about it um, because I was doing it without anyone seeing me. But what a lie that was because um, i become argumentative, irritated, and um, my husband was not very happy with me. Um, how many times had I promised to give it up? Many, many times, but I just didn't seem to be able to do it. With him being in the, in the like with his shift work, I mean, I could drink as much as I liked before he went off to work, and then it did eventually come to the fact of me drinking in the mornings too, <clears throat> and on dinner time and in the afternoon. And in that time, I was doing house cleaning, which was my main work. I used to do all those, but I can remember quite a few times I'd get to the house that I was to clean and I just felt so tired, so tired. It was such a struggle to to do what I had to do, but I did it because I didn't want to be found out. Um, <clears throat> early in our married life at our first home, we had a, a painter that came to paint our house and... Um, I'm a people person and I like chatting with everybody and that's what I did with him. <clears throat> and I found out that... <coughs> found out that he he was... He told me that he was an alcoholic. Alcohol, yeah. And that he used to go down to Mount Gambia to Bastada and volunteer down there for short times. And, uh, yeah, I was intrigued and I'd asked him lots of questions about alcohol and affects you and whatever. And, um, yeah, I, I thought, well, maybe I'll be able to pass the message on to my dad uh, because by then I used to think, too, that he was one, but I never got around to doing that. And this is some years later that um, when I was starting to feel horrible, I... Um, I had quite a few health issues. I had skin issues where they was itchy and I'd be scratching and and they were, yeah, and this caused me to drink more because just to ease the pain, I used to, I used to look at horrible and look in the mirror and I, I, yeah, I really thought that I wouldn't survive the way that I was going and, of course, then I had this... Um, Vomiting in the morning and, yeah, just felt absolutely yuck. And then um, somewhere in my head, I remember talking to this man talking about AA and I thought to myself that... Um, <coughs> that maybe I should try to find out what AA was all about. I didn't approach any of my family to um, support me or anything because I knew <clears throat> they were in disgust the way I was travelling. And I asked a dear friend, first I had to tell her my story, which was fairly hard, but she was loving. And she took me to my first meetings, though on a Sunday night. I went along to meetings for a long time, uh, for three years actually. 
and I was beginning to wonder whether I was a bit dense. I just didn't seem to cotton on to it. I was waiting for that light grow um, moment when something would, you know, say ping and, and everything would be okay. <clears throat> and as I said, I couldn't understand that. Well, looking back now, the reason, one of the reasons that I found by going to another meeting on a Sunday night, it was in a different town, and I could get my supplies of alcohol on my travels to the meetings, and of course I was still drinking. I thought I could do both. Um, it didn't cotton on to me that, that I had to stop drinking. This continued on for, like I said, three years, and then we decided to, the few of us decided to open up meetings in my hometown, a Tuesday night meeting and also a Thursday lunchtime meeting. And um, this was going well. <clears throat> I um, continued to doing that, and plus I'm heavily involved with our church, which I felt was the right thing for me to do. And, yeah, I just couldn't understand why I just couldn't cope with all these things. I went to a meeting one night. Um, I had two girlfriends with me. And on my way home, <clears throat> I uh, turned into a, a T-junction and I was greeted with an oncoming police car, which, much to my horror, um, he told me that... Um, that um, I hadn't put my indicator on and in the process too he obviously noticed I had a breath test and uh, consequently my girlfriends had to take themselves home with my car and I was brought back to the police station mm. and um, was informed that I'd lost my licence for 12 months. That was horrid, absolutely horrid for me. It was embarrassing. It was humbling. I just, yeah, I just felt so much shame of what I had done. Um, I felt that time that I couldn't face my family, even though now I had to reveal to them just what I was <clears throat> and to my friends. I, um, <clears throat> yes, that happened and... Um, I thought, look, I've got to continue on with my AA. I had one day grace before I lost my licence and then I knew I had to do everything on foot. We lived 10 k's out of town, but my daughter came along and said that she would take me wherever I had to go, which was wonderful. <clears throat> I can... Sorry. I... Went back to my home and continued my house cleaning and um, tried to bring home some alcohol. But when you're carrying a backpack, not not much you can carry in your backpack. And um, especially when you're to bring home groceries and etc. I managed to do that for quite a while, uh, but then it just got too hard. It was just too hard for me to to disguise the fact that I was bringing home this alcohol, although at that point I still needed it. I knew too that I 
my biggest problem at that stage was to buy alcohol because you don't buy alcohol to, well, not in my house, and put it in the fridge and to look at it. And I knew if I didn't buy alcohol, I wouldn't have it to drink. So I, <clears throat> in that time too, my one daughter wouldn't let me look after her children. They were five and two or three, um, such you know little darlings as they are, your grandchildren. And she wouldn't let me look after them because she straight out said she didn't know, she couldn't trust the way that I was. And that just broke my heart, um, of course, with tears and promises and tears and promises that I would be okay. I immediately came home and uh, <clears throat> took refuge in another drink. Then, too, my younger daughter was living in Adelaide and she just had a, a newborn baby and she asked me to come down and stay with them for a time, which I accepted. <clears throat> And uh, she said to me, Mum, you know you can't drink while you're down here. And as, um, as cheeky as we are when we're drinking and all that, I said, yeah, no worries. She'll be fine. So I went down there and I stayed with her for 10 days and had a lovely time with my little grandson and, of course, his daughter and son-in-law. And when I came home, I it all of a sudden it came to me and I thought, wow, I had, hadn't had a drink for... Ten, 10 days and I hadn't that hadn't happened for many a year um, and when I came home I knew I still had some alcohol stash as we do in cupboards and wherever and um, I did drink those up um, but then knowing that I had no more to follow I can't re- really remember what it was like those few days of being sober but I know that if you haven't got it there you can't envisage going to have a drink because it's just not there and um, yeah that was in May of that year I um, managed to get through the early days and now May 21 I'm happy to say that I've been sober for 13 years mm. I, <clears throat> I've still go to AA every week. Um, I still, um, at the moment, I'm opening up both meetings, Tuesday night and Thursday night. Sorry, Thursday afternoon. (coughs) And um, it gives me great strength. Sometimes, uh, Thursday lunchtime, uh, we don't always have someone there, but it's given me time to sit and reflect of what it'd be like if I was still drinking, I know for a fact that I wouldn't be here. Because when I, before I became sober, I was looking forward to entering, you know, nearing 60 years old, I was 58, and I knew that I wouldn't be around when I was 60. And, um, which saddened me, but I mean, that's just the way you're thinking. Anyhow, the year that I, well, it was my first year of being sober. I applied for a job as a pastoral worker at a primary school nearby, and I was absolutely elated to think that that was my first job that I applied for. 
I'd spent all my working days just doing casual work and house cleaning. But now I could officially say that I was a pastoral worker. And I just loved it. Absolutely loved it. I had children that were just fascinated to think, they call me old, but fascinated to think <laughs> that I could sit down on the ground and, you know, join in with their plays and, and acting silly because I'm always being silly. I don't need alcohol anymore. And um, I uh, spent seven lovely years there with the school, um, getting to know the parents uh, because that was one of my goals, was to getting to know all the parents. Joining in with all the activities, I even went went to Canberra with a grade seven that year and a lot of the excursions. So I just felt so privileged and... <clears throat> and then after a while, I was getting a little bit tired of all the expectations of the um, head office doing to us to apply for further training, etc. And here I was, you know, nearing, or I was over 60 by then. I thought, no, I didn't want to do that. So I pulled the pin and I thought, no, I'm not doing that anymore. Well, within a couple of weeks, I just thought, what did I do? How silly I was to you know, not want to do what I'd been doing beforehand. <laughs> so now I'm back in my fifth year as a professional volunteer at the same school. And I go down there twice a week and join in with anything from play group up to year seven now. Next year will be different. And, um, yeah, life is so, so good in that area. I've uh, regained my love from my grandchildren, uh, a couple of them are six foot tall, but that's okay. And and my my own siblings, but my husband is still reluctant to to appreciate that I've given up the drink. But I can live with that, um, which is hard at times. I've become more tolerant with people and accepting them for what they are. Everyone's different. Everyone has a story. And through my Christian faith too, I have gained much peace and contentment. I'm contented where I am. And um, even though being sober doesn't ensure you a, an easy life uh, because there's so many things that prop up in, in life, but now I can at least sit back and think about it and um, work through our problems. AA is, is, is an absolutely wonderful organisation to be part of, particularly with the men. Um, I am just so much at awe when you see these people come in, they've kind of been beaten with life, beaten with alcohol, and they sit down there and pour out their hearts of what they think and what they feel. And <coughs> it's a real healing for them. And some, some, well, nearly all of them, or they, all of them are my friends. Like they say, your friends are strangers till you get to know them. There's so much love flow in in an AA meeting. No one's uh, going to pick on you or snarl at you if you've done another slip. We just welcome you all back, and um, and we just have this lovely chat amongst ourselves. And it seems that. Um, no matter where you go, even though you don't know the people, the 
the love and the companionship is there for you for your for your journey because we've all had a journey and most likely a lot of the things that we've had in our life they've had too um, whether you're a female or or a male as a mother we probably got more ways of concealing it than what a male has they're having a home to hide it all in but the actual disease is still the same I certainly believe that I have a disease um, of alcohol and it will be with me for the rest of my life. Um, and it's a bit like diabetes. If you've been diagnosed with diabetes, you're encouraged not to keep on feeding it. Well, the same thing with alcohol. Um, if you don't feed alco- your alcoholic disease, you won't have the repercussions of it. Part of yeah, part of my healing now is that I get on with life. Um, I still go out to for meals and that at the hotels, um, and um, we're we're quite really quite accepted, providing you got a glass in your hand, and that glass could be the water or or uh, lemon gin or not gin, lemon squash. And people just don't don't bug you, but I do of late become quite angst about everything that in in society these days is based around alcohol, and um, no matter whether it's sport or advertising or whatever, and it it is huge, huge. Um, uh, what should I say? It's a huge temptation for people to uh, get out of their rut and uh, seek a better life. My heart goes out for those that just can't quite grasp it. Um, It's a God-given program. And, um, yes, I'm just so thankful for it. And um, my association with AA has been been good. (coughs) That's about it. I was just going to ask Heather, did you, uh, how, you know, in the program, step nine there, it suggests we make amends. Did you have to make many amends or how did you go? Yeah, well, I made amends to, to my, my, my own siblings and um, the children. I made amends to my husband, but he didn't warm up to me. Um, he hasn't never condemned me going to AA and all the functions, which I can be so grateful for. But, yes, that that is the hard part, but it's such a healing when you do do it. Um, first of all, I, my, my first uh, approach to do that was with my daughter, the one that said to me that she wouldn't let me babysit. And she, she knew about it for a long time. And her comment at the end was that she knew I was out driving with being alcohol on my body and she had been almost tempted to ring up the police and tell them to get out there mm. and pull me over, which was kind of a shock. But um, there I'd driven many, many times, mainly with adults. But then, yeah, I probably did have it with my children too, but I'm just so grateful that nothing happened in that case. Yeah, that's good, uh Anyway, that was a... Thank you very, very much for sharing, Heather. We're very... uh, 
Well, it was very interesting and, uh, yeah, a great example of Alcoholics Anonymous working. Absolutely. And I only hope and pray that a lot of other people can see what it can do. I've had many comments about, you know, how I changed in that time. And now I'm heading for my 72nd birthday and uh, I still feel fitter now than what I was many years before. So I'm just so grateful. Thank you. Thank you very much, Heather. We'll Thank catch, you. We'll catch up later.